Here is our Bible quote for today. It's taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it's the 18th verse. The message of the cross seems foolishness to those who are lost and dying. Who does that include? That is talking about people who still have sin controlling their heart. People who have never come to God and acknowledged that they have sinful hearts and that only Jesus can take that sin away. And, and they are people who are, the Bible says, they're lost. Now you may say, well, they're not lost because they know where they are. No, what the Bible means is they are lost in sin. In other words, they are not close to God. They are not one with God. And, and here is the really, really sad thing. They're not ready to meet God because sin is still in their heart. And if they were to die like that, the Bible tells us that they would be forever and that's a long time, forever separated from God. Now listen, that is not what God wants. It is not God's desire that anyone, any person, should be lost, should be separate from Him. His, his desire, what He wants is that everyone repents of their sin and comes close to him. So close that they become one with him. But the Bible says for people, for people who are still lost, still away from God, not necessarily people who do evil things, but simply people who have never given the whole of their life to Jesus. The Bible says they're lost. And to those people, the message of the cross of Jesus, it just sounds like foolishness. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how that someone dying on a cross 2,000 years ago, has any relevance to us today. And to those who have still got sin in their heart, it sounds foolish. One translation says this, it sounds absurd, ridiculous. But, this verse goes on to say, it is God's power to us who are being saved. Now listen, the phrase being saved does not mean that we are in the process of being saved. It means to those many, 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 many people who are getting saved, that's what it means, the message of the cross speaks of the power of God. 
that saves us. And so today, just for a little time, we're going to be looking at this message of the cross. And you may think, how can a cross, how can two pieces of wood join together? How can they send a message? Well, you're going to find out. First of all, we're going to cover some facts because a lot of people say that Jesus never lived and he never died on the cross. He was never crucified and therefore he never raised, was never raised from the dead. But you know what? There are people, historians, people who are experts in history and people who wrote down things that were happening who were not Christians and their writings are on record. There's one guy, his name is Josephus. Well, his full name is Titus Flavius Josephus. We'll call him Joseph. It's easy. He was a historian at the time when Jesus was alive. And, it, and you can still read his writings today. They've been preserved. And you can read in his history books about a man called Jesus who came from Nazareth, whose father was a carpenter, who became a teacher, who was crucified on a cross. And listen to this. In this history book, it tells you that after he had died and been dead for three days, people saw him walking around. History books. But listen, the most reliable source that there is, is this book. This is better than any other history book. Listen to what it says. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, I passed on to you what was most important. I told you this is an important message. Paul says it's most important. And what had also been passed on to me, this is what Paul passed on. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said he would. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. You see, even before Jesus was born, and he was born about 2,000 years ago, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God began to give messages, began to speak about the birth and the life and the death of his son Jesus. And the Old Testament predicts that Jesus would be born where he was born. And that he would die the way he died. And that he would be raised from the dead. And the Bible, every prediction or every prophecy it makes is true. Now, some of them we're still waiting to come to pass. The Bible says, for example, that one day Jesus will return back to earth to collect and take away with him everyone who is a true Christian. Now that hasn't happened yet or else we would not be here. But that will happen. In just the same way God 
said that Jesus would be born. He would be born to a virgin. And he would die a certain way and he would raise from the dead. That all happened. And you can guarantee that because God has said that Jesus will return one day that he will. So what is the message of the cross? What is the message? Now today, we have different ways in which we send messages. Now, I, I laugh often because, because I'm not so fast at texting. Okay? If you could see my thumbs. Can you see them? Yeah, they're not texting thumbs. You know, they're, they're manual workers' thumbs. And when I'm trying to text, I usually hit about three letters at once. And if I'm, if I'm not careful and I don't check what I've written, I can send some gobbledygook. I really can. If any of you have ever had a text from me, you'll know exactly what I mean. And, and I'm learning to read before I send because I've sent some things that, yeah, I didn't mean to say that. It's interesting how the letters on the keyboard are close to one another. And if you accidentally press the wrong key, you can say something completely different to what you meant to say. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. So that's one way in which we send messages. We, we send texts. We can, we can uh, I, I like the old-fashioned way, you know, I like emails. I know not many people do emails anymore. Uh, but do you know what Pastor Young who has really helped me? I'm going to tell you what he did. See, I have, I have a phone, and I do send texts, and he, he actually downloaded for me this incredible keyboard. Am I allowed to advertise it publicly? It's free download, isn't it? Swift Key. Yeah? Some of you have got that. If you haven't, it, it actually knows what you want to say. It really does. If you start with the right letter, you squiggle all around the, the, the keyboard, and it basically predicts what you want to say. And it's like 95% accurate. It's really good for me. And the other thing it does, you can talk into it and it writes it for you. How about that? That's the sort of text messaging that I like because my thumbs are too big. I like keyboards. I like sending messages on emails. All sorts of ways that we can send messages. If you're lost on a desert island, what do you do? Pray. <laughs> yeah, you could pray or you could put a message in a bottle. Always amazes me. Where do you get the bottle from? <laughs> I mean, you're carrying a bottle with you just in case you get shipwrecked. Now, the other way of doing it is, is, is if you've got a beach there, you write in big letters, help, and you hope that somebody flies over. Loads of different ways that we send messages. Did you know that God sends messages in lots of different ways as well? Maybe he doesn't text or send emails. But there are loads of ways in which God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And I say this so often. A lot of people say to me, I never hear God speak to me. I say, do you read the Bible? No. That's a good place to start. And start when you're real young. Reading 
God's Bible because it's God speaking to you. And then I say, do you, do you pray? Well, I say prayers. You know, pray, praying is not just about what we say. It's about listening to what God wants to say as well. And I used to say prayer is when we talk to God, but I don't say that anymore. Prayer is when we talk with God and we listen to him. Sometimes when you're listening to people preach, you can hear God bring a message into your heart. And if you have a family or friends, you can get together, read the Bible, pray together. And that's another way that God gets a message to you. But also God sometimes sends messages through things that he does. And God sent the most important message without exception. It is the most important message that God or anyone has ever sent when he sent Jesus to die on the cross at Calvary. And that's the message that we're looking at today. What is that message? Let me read you these verses from Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly helpless, stop. We don't like to admit that we're helpless, true? Everything in this world pretty much is geared to make us feel good about ourselves. We watch advertisements and we watch them and we think, what that is advertising, I must have, I need it. Life will just come to a grinding halt unless I get my iPhone 7. Is that out yet? Oh, sorry if you're thinking that your life will grind to a halt without an iPhone 7. It doesn't exist yet. So you're going to live on. But there are so many things that we say we have to have, we must have. We are convinced that life would be not worth living unless we have these things that make life good. But the truth is, my friend, unless we have Christ living in us, we don't really have any life at all. The Bible says, without Christ, in our hearts, we're dead. We have no life. We, we have an existence. We're born physically. We live about 70 years and then we die and that's it. And we must come to that place where we are willing to admit that without God, without Jesus, we are utterly helpless. Most people today, especially in what are called developed nations, spend most of their adult years trying to convince themselves that the existence that they have is actually worth something. And so we surround ourselves with all sorts of things and all sorts of things that we do, that we give our life to, that we become active in, that actually start to consume us and we live for them. And we think that we've got life. 
But my friends, young and old, without Jesus living in our heart as king, as leader, if, that, if he's not there, we actually don't have any, any value of life whatsoever. When we were utterly helpless, and this is the truth, there's nothing we can do to help ourselves. It was then that Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. What is a sinner? Is a sinner somebody who does bad things? No, it's not the bad things that makes us sinners. That's what a lot of people believe. A lot of people believe I'm a sinner because I do bad things. No, my friends. If you're still a sinner, it's because you have a sinful nature. And it's that sinful nature that causes you to do things that are not right. Can I talk to the children just for a moment, adults? Children, can you look at me? I'm the handsome one standing at the front. Yeah? Okay, children, did your parents ever teach you how to do bad things? If they did, raise your hand. <laughs> parents, don't hold their hands down. No, no hands went up, except for one who was trying to have a go at his mum. No hands went up. Hey, children, young people. The reason they didn't teach you to do bad is not just because they want you to be good. It's because they didn't have to. You were born knowing how to do bad things. You were born with a sinful nature that causes us to do things that are wrong. That's what makes us a sinner. That's what we need saving from. And Jesus Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for a, a good person. Do you ever read those stories where someone gives their life to save somebody else? And, and you usually end up crying. Yeah? There's not many people will do that. Maybe parents will. Maybe husbands will. Maybe wives will. There's not many people. But listen... God showed his great love for us by sending his son Jesus to die for us, listen, while we were still sinners. You see, we might think that Jesus only died for good people. It's not true. If, if everybody was good, if everybody's heart was whole and sin-free, Jesus would not have needed to die. If you're well, if you're not sick, do you go to the doctors? No. Well, some of you might. There's no need. You don't need to go to a doctor if you're healthy and well. You only go there when you're sick. Jesus only came to die because we needed saving. And this is the part of the message that we must really lay hold of. The message of the cross is, yes, God loved us. But the reason he demonstrated his love is because you and I, all of us, were born sinners. You don't become a sinner. We're born that way. Now, 
The thing about the message of the cross is this, and this is why a lot of people don't like it. This is the thing about it. When you hear it, when you hear the message that I'm a sinner, God loved me so much that he gave Jesus who died and took the punishment of my sin for me. When we hear that message, here's the tough bit. You have to make a choice. You can't just pretend that that message has never been spoken. 2,000 years ago, God spoke it, and it still stands and sounds as loud and as true as it ever did. And every time a person hears the message of the cross, the message of God saying, you are a sinner, and I want to save you, and I've given my son Jesus who died for your sin. Every time a person hears that, we have to make a choice. And listen, there are not many choices. I used to like those exams that we had where there were multiple choices. At least I had a one in five chance of being right. Whereas if I have to come up with the answer, it's probably a one in a million chance. Yeah? But... but When we hear the message of the cross, it isn't multiple choice. Listen, it's two choices and two choices only. One is that you choose to believe the message that God speaks to us through the cross of Jesus. That I am a sinner. I must be saved from my sins. And Jesus has died to take my sin away. When that happens, when we make that heart choice, when we decide that is true and I believe it, God forgives us our sin and he gives us a gift called eternal life, which means not only are we going to live forever, but it means more than that. It means that from that moment, inside each one of us who have been saved by God is the very life of God himself. Choice number one. Choice number two is that you choose not to believe. And you say, well, I'm not ready to decide right yet. That's choosing not to believe. You say, well, I need to consider it right now. That's choosing not to believe. You say, I'm not ready. That's choosing not to believe. You say, there are lots of different ways that people tell me that I can get right with God. I need to discover the right way. That's choosing not to believe. And when we choose not to listen and to believe that the message that God sends us, that means that we still have sin in our heart. We are still separate from God and we do not have his eternal life. It's very simple. It's very clear. You see, God is not complicated. The message that God speaks to us is never complicated. Some people say, but it's difficult. It's not even difficult. Because God has given us the ability to believe the words, the message that he sends. Now this is the message of God, that God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, trusts in him, 
will not perish, will not be separated from God forever, but has right now eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge or condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment, no condemnation against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. There's just two choices. And some of the young ones here might think, well, that's a choice I need to make when I'm older. Listen to me, please. Young ones, look at me again. That choice is something that you make today. When God sends a message and he speaks his truth to us, that's a choice that we make right here and right now. I have a daughter who, who is now a missionary. Some of you know her, Pastor Jenny. She's a missionary in Nepal. When she was years old, she made the decision. Would give the whole of her life to Jesus. I say that sometimes to to parents and to adults, and and sometimes they at me. One two. Sometimes they laugh at me and say, "Dah, a three-year-old would never understand the message of the gospel." My friends, my daughter Jenny understood it enough that she gave the whole of her life to Jesus and she's never turned away, never looked back. You see, it's not a difficult or a complicated message. It's very simple. You have a sinful heart, a sinful nature which separates you from God and if you die that way, you will be forever separated. But God loves us so much So much more than we will ever be able to comprehend that he gave us his son who took the punishment of our sin. And if we will believe in that message that God has sent, if we will believe in Jesus, and there is no other way, but if we will believe in Jesus, God forgives all our sin. All of it. It's gone. It's paid for. It's dealt with. It's forgiven. And God never remembers it again. I remember when I was a young lad, occasionally I would do bad things and I would say sorry. And my parents would say, that's okay, don't do it again. And I did. And sometimes my parents would remind me that I did it just the other day. Or every day for the last week. And you see, you weren't really sorry. But God never does that. When we come to him and we say, God, forgive me. He forgives and it's wiped out. It is erased. And it isn't erased off of a computer that some computer geek can come along and find it and bring it back to life. It's gone forever. We're forgiven Totally. Listen to this. It is God's power that saves. And only God's power. Paul said this 
in Romans chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed by this message. We, may, we need never to be ashamed or embarrassed just because God loves us so much that he says, hey, you're a sinner and you need to be saved and I love you so much that I've given my son Jesus to save you. Paul says, that I'm not ashamed by that. And I'll tell you why. Because it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and then the Gentile. How do we know that God loves us? It's easy because he tells us that we need to be saved. Wouldn't it be unbearable to think that we would die one day, stand before God and God would say, I'm sorry, you can't live with me. You have to go to hell. And you say, well, why is that? Oh, because, because you're a sinner. And we say to God, did you, why didn't you tell us that? Oh, I didn't want to offend you. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. My friends, God loves us too much. Too much to be concerned about offending us or hurting our feelings. He loves us enough to make sure that he knows we must be saved. We must be saved. It is only his power, his message that can save us. And then once we are saved, once we have believed in the message that God has given to us, it is that same power of God that keeps us every moment of every day so close to God that we are one with him. His spirit living in us, making us one with God. You know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, it's so hard being a Christian. (laughs) Have you heard people say that? Have you said it? Don't put your hands up. They say, oh, it's so difficult. It's so hard being a Christian. It costs so much. It's such a big sacrifice. Listen, when you're trying to do it yourself, Yes, it is. I'd go even further. It's impossible. Anybody here like DIY, do it yourself? Not many. Not many. I hope we have no DIY Christians here where we try to do it ourselves. We try to live good. We try to live right. We try not to be bad. We try not to sin. We try to improve. I got some good news for you today. It's a four letter word. Stop! Stop trying and let God live his life through you. Instead of try, 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 why don't you yield and surrender and let the Spirit of God empower you with His life? The Bible says, it's no longer I that lives anyhow, but Christ lives in me. And that's the truth. And that's the amazing 
thing about this message. God doesn't say to us, I will save you. Now, once you're saved, you live as good as you can. And we'll see how it pans out in the end. We'll see, see how many points you score. And if, you're, if your point difference is in the positive, then you can come to heaven. Praise God it doesn't work like that. It's not about how good we are. It's about how amazingly perfect Jesus is and his life living in us. My friends, young and old, don't depend on yourself to be one with God. Let God join you to himself. Let his spirit constantly speak to you how to be one with God as he lives in you. The message of the cross. We're going to close now. And we're going to pray. And I want everyone to to listen to this. You see, God has spoken a message to us today. And the Bible says it is the most important message. It may be that some of us have never heard it before. Maybe this is the very first time that you've heard the true message of God's love. And you say, so what, what do I do with that now? Well, you, you make a choice. And the Holy Spirit will help you. If you know that you've never, ever come to God and say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. And right now, I know that I can believe that Jesus is the one who died to save me from my sin. Then you can make that choice to believe. It may be that you've been attending church services for a long time, but you had thought that simply by coming to church service, that made you right with God. Somehow it kind of scored points in your favor. But that isn't the message of of the cross. That isn't the message that God is speaking to us. And maybe the Spirit of God is convicting your heart right now that you need to come and repent and to give your life to Jesus. You may be three years old. About four years ago, Christmas time, I preached a message called Who is this man? And there was a a, a four-year-old boy. His parents were part of the church then. A four-year-old boy, he sat right at the back, right in the back row where you are. And I was watching him. And when I prayed, I prayed prayed with people who wanted to give their life to Jesus. And, And I saw him put his head down. And afterwards, his mum said to me, I said to to my son, what are you doing? He says, I'm praying with the pastor. And he gave his life to Jesus that day. If you've heard the message of God today, if you're old enough to hear it, you're old enough to believe it. It doesn't matter whether you're three or like me, 33, plus a little bit. My friend, listen to the message of God. And if you say, I know I must give my life to Jesus. I've been religious. I've done religious things, but I've never fully given my life to Jesus. Never. 
and his message has really spoken to my heart today, then let me pray with you right now. Let's close our eyes so that we don't get distracted. And if you say, Pastor, God has spoken to me today. And I know that message is for me. I don't care about anybody else around me right now. It's for me. And I want you to pray something along the words that I'm about to say. Say, God, thank you for speaking to my heart today. Thank you for showing me that I am a sinner. I thought I was good. But thank you that you've shown me the truth. And today, I accept what you say about me. And I believe that your love for me is so incredibly great that you gave your only son, Jesus. And he died on that cross because you loved me. And he took the punishment for my sin because you love me. And today I come to you, God, and I ask you to forgive me, not because I deserve it, but because Jesus has been punished for all of my sin. And I receive your forgiveness. And I receive the gift of your eternal life and your Holy Spirit to live within me. God, I call you my Father. I am your your child now. So Father God, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.